The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. So there seems to be no end to silly pilot tricks that yeah. silly pilots are capable of. Jeb, what's this one you were calling our attention well, to here? This, this is an AP story. came out of Moscow in Russia uh, a couple of weeks ago. Guy's flying along, and this is the, the AN-2. Um, this is the big Russian biplane uh, with this huge radial engine in it. The whole thing, you know, the firewall to the max does about 80 knots. Okay, it's 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 draggy, but it, it carries a great deal. It's you know, it's a single yeah, it, engine it, it, cabin. It'll carry cl- like a DC three will carry. Yeah, yeah, it's a single engine cabin class biplane. Right. Okay, yeah. it's um, quite a trip to see one. But what happened? It really is. So the guy's lost. He's in southern Russia, and he's lost with all the high tech avionics on board that airplane. He got of course, lost. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah. He's got a you know he's got a directional gyro the size of a dinner plate. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but um. Um, so he's lost, and um, so you, he sees, can get, you can get lost with extra special precision, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Well, Keep uh, interrupting. Th- thank God for moving maps, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so we can get or or fast airplanes, so we can get lost at you know Mach three or something. Exactly. But, Anyways, uh, we keep interrupting you. What did this guy do? You do. I, do. I noticed that. This guy's lost, okay? So he, he sees this tractor working, apparently working a field uh, below him. <clears throat> so he circles down <clears throat> with the idea of landing beside the tractor to ask directions. Small problem. He misjudged his approach, apparently, and smacked into the tractor. <laughs> oh, no. Well, grazed. that's... Oops. Grazed the tractor. Yeah, okay. grazed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just... And, and broke, broke the landing gear. Couldn't use the airplane again after the landing, yada, yada, yada. No, no one was injured. But I just think that's rude. You're, you're landing to get a, to get directions, and you run into the vehicle uh, the, from you know the guy you want to get directions from. It's just rude. I don't think yeah, it's, it's like trying to wave down a policeman by running into his car. Yeah, I, I don't think it's rude. I think it's ill advised. I think it's like not very. Oops, you know, it's like. And, and here's what I want to know. So I, you described it well. These this biplane. This is a big honking biplane. Uh-huh. I, I remember stumbling across one of these one time when I was snooping around, look peeking into hangars at Livermore, California, and I and I looked in, you know, and the door was like the hangar door was slid only a little bit open. You know, it was kind of dark, and I'm looking in, and I'm kind of and and the, and as my eyes adjusted, this thing kind of you know appeared out of the darkness. This monstrous big biplane, and. Uh, so my point here is is even just grazing something with this big <laughs> airplane is like yikes. Um, but that's just bad luck, you know. That's just bad luck that you run into the uh, guy you were going to go to I'm for directions. I'm not sure how how luck factors into well, that. Yeah, okay. No, just, um, just, he didn't have to land or aim for the tractor. Okay, a b. You know, we're not talking about two vehicles that are traveling very quickly here. Right. It's not like the tractor's going to run off and leave the guy. Right. Right. And I uh, think if, you know, you just kind of put the, the, the biplane down somewhere near the tractor, in front of the tractor, in front of the driver, he'll, he'll see you. He'll, he will realize that maybe he would like to converse with you yeah, if you well, land that airplane in his field. Was the story, did the story say, was the tra- tractor driver listening to his iPod at the time? Was- don't know. That's a callback joke. You get it? it yeah. It's unlikely he had, you know, a, a scanner hooked up to the air traffic control frequencies for that sector. But you never know. Stranger things have happened, especially right. in Russia. So well, that's th- th- think about this. This is a a, a twelve thousand pound or so gross weight airplane uh-huh. with a nine cylinder radial that makes a thousand freaking horsepower, but can land at thirty. Right. Mm-hmm. It can land at thirty. Uh, it can get in and out of a soccer field, uh, and the guy hits the tractor. Hits the tractor. Uh, it, I mean, Jiminy, it's a wonder the tractor wasn't out running him. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe that the was guy the was problem. going way too fast. He was. He must have been going at least thirty-one. So that's that's silly, stupid pilot trick number one. Stupid pilot trick number two 
is uh, this video we came across. Um, I think actually a listener turned tuned us into it, or somebody did. Um, this is a stunt at a, I don't know, it was an air show or just sort of sort of some some you know public exhibition, and the idea was that they were going to land this this small plane. And I don't identify the brand. You guys know airplanes. airplanes it's a, it's an aerospatial, either a Tobago or Tampico. That's I can't what I was tell. sort of thinking. I couldn't remember the name. But, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. The plan was, I think, that they were going to try and land it on top of a moving car. I think, I think the intention was to have the gear straddle the car so that the belly of the airplane settled down on top of the car. Uh-oh. But that's not what happened, okay? What happened was that, uh, that the, the, the left main gear got tangled up with the driver's window, all right, crashed, the, and then that snagged, the, that snagged the airplane. That suddenly slowed down the airplane, kind of twist, spun it to 90 degrees to the left. I mean, this could have been a tragedy. This is, yeah, yeah Dave, it sounds like you, saw, you just watched the video, right? I'm watching the reloop right now. The nose gear slides right yeah. down next to the driver's window. The right gear is is coming down on the rear quarter uh, of, okay. the, of yeah. the top. And the left gear is just kind of hanging out there in air with yeah. nothing to land on. And, so this, and everything goes cattywampus to the left. Yeah. So this airplane's uh, flying at, you know, obviously very slow, you know, slow approach speed. is suddenly spun 90 degrees to the left, obviously stops flying. Um settles down really hard on its gear fortunately the gear holds up i mean this is actually kind of a kind of a uh, uh, a uh, p- good commentary on this airplane this is a tough airplane man because uh, well I, I was thinking the same thing um uh, first of all this is one of the the dumber things <laughs> I've, I've ever seen involving an airplane I forget the car the okay i've seen a lot of stupid stuff with cars okay yeah um, but this is pretty much the dumbest thing I've ever seen with an airplane. What was the plan? I, okay. I think the guy in the airplane was just trying to get directions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. But see, so, so the moral from both of these, I think the combined sort of, you know, uh, 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 combined moral here is that cars and airplanes do not mix. All right. You just like should not get them close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No. It, it reminds me, the tractor thing reminds me of an old, old poster. I'm sure every pilot that's it, ever been in an old airport uh, uh, lounge, I mean, someplace where there wasn't a computer anywhere, has seen a sign of an old biplane, looks like a Jenny, wedged into the top of a tree yes, with part right. of the empennage broken, or the affuselage broken, and it, it says, you know, rule number such and such, it's, advise, it's advisable when landing, not to run into any trees in the landing field. Well, the, the, the other part of this, the other part that makes this this picture, this portrait, if you will, it's really a portrait, uh, <laughs> really work, is the fact that there are no other trees. In That's the right. View. It, 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 it's in the, the only tree it's visible the, it's the for. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of feet. I don't remember yeah. that as being the caption from that image. That's what was the caption? It was no, like, the, the, the caption oh, is is is, is, is oh, it's like flying the, is unforgiving or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like like the well, sea. The sea of, flying yeah, is, yeah. is very unforgiving or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Before before we leave all of this though, I I, I want to direct <laughs> both of your attention to um, if you if you look at this this uh, um, a Sokata single landing on the Camaro or whatever the hell airplane or car that is. Um, if you look elsewhere on the on the screen there, you'll see a link uh, to another video. Okay. Uh, I think this is pretty much truth in advertising, too, because I happen to click through while we're talking. The title of the video is Hot Sexy Girl Pilot Sprays Her First Field. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, click, click that little sucker. All right. Okay. Hot Sexy Girl Pilot Sprays Her First Field. Okay. Do I really want to? See this one? All right. So we're looking at an image of a woman walking across the runway. She's walking up to the wingtip oh, of a yellow airplane. Big egg bird, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big uh, like uh, egg. Egg cat or something like that. Right. Okay. This woman in the uh, short dungaree shorts and uh, and uh, not very, you know, she's not wearing. Okay. First thing, first thing right off the top. Yeah. It's how much more pleasant this was to watch. And I'm sorry. It's just a fact. I, 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 
I, I appreciate your bringing that to my attention. Okay. Yes. So, yes, it's very, oh, yeah, okay, she's... Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, blonde lady, a she's couple climbed of guys into the airplane I've seen now. who flew ag planes and what it would look like watching them do the same maneuver to get into the airplane. She's putting on and a matching not, yellow helmet. She smiles at the camera. And I'm guessing this is where we cut away to the stunt pilot wearing the yellow helmet. But. Well, I haven't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Okay. Now we're now we have point of view shots coming out of the uh, cockpit or out of the nose of the airplane uh, as they do spraying. Oh, cool angle. We got the shadow showing yeah. us. Yeah. This is cool. I, I'm not buying that the girl is flying. I'm not airplane, buying that the girl is flying it is either. Footage. Now. Why not? Why not? Uh, well, Whiskey because because there's no video showing her flying the aircraft. Well, well now that's a good. Whoa, hold. Okay, wait, wait. start the engine. Let her taxi away. You know, I I'm might out. buy into I'm this. I'm out. Okay. Um, this is this is a moment for the CSI people because there's a cutaway. There's a cut to a shot of the spray bar. Yeah. On the left side, where it looks like you can see the reflection of somebody's head. Oh come on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not making this stuff up. Yeah, okay. All right. Where, where, you know, where is CSI crop sprayer? To, you know, CSI FAA. I don't see the reflection there. Okay. You don't see a reflection here. It's upside down now. Oh, <laughs> what if what do you, what happens if you play it backward? Yeah, that's right. Well, that's then right. you get. Yeah. John killed Paul. That's right. Yeah, the crop duster is the walrus. Welcome, folks, to episode 184 <laughs> of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. Here we go. The crop duster is the walrus. We're, we're That's an episode title. That's an episode this. title, yeah. Absolutely. We're trying to record this episode on when, uh, Sunday. It's not Wednesday. It's <laughs> Sunday. Uh, uh, it is May 2, I believe, 2010. And uh, joining me here in the uh, virtual house. Can you guys hear the bird outside? There's a bird. We just chirping. missed May Day, man. I thought that was your Cinco de Mayo band. Dress no, 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 no. There's a bird chirping outside oh, the door okay. here. Uh, joining me here in the, uh, in the uh, virtual hangar is uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you doing? I'm well for a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it is hot as a pistol down here. Really? How hot? Yeah. It's, I don't know, 91, 92. Oh, man. What's the telephone say? 91. I was going to show off on how, uh, on, uh, you know, see, there's words that you never would have heard even five years ago, right? What? You know, it's like, what's the temperature? I don't know. What does the telephone say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I got, what you're talking got, about because you've got. Your I got little, the telephone sitting in a cradle right in here I on my desk. And it's got answer, a bunch of information the, presented on the home screen, and temperature <laughs> locally is one of the piece, I, pieces I, of information. No, I agree. I agree. Okay. But right. uh, the good news, the good news is, yeah. the pool is open officially. Oh well, we got to come back then. Well, you got to come back. Yeah. Okay. And also joining us here in the hangar is Dave Higdon, who's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David. How's everybody? Uh, we're good. Well, How for are you? one thing, I want everybody to know that we have no phones in 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 our operation that are as 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 temperature sensitive as Jeb's. Yeah, okay, I think it's not the phone. Well, never mind. Uh, yeah, don't 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 humor him. Yeah. And I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from the uh, UCAP shucks. Summer Headquarters, high atop Lookout Point in scenic Nottingham, New Hampshire, where the where the bird it's either a bird or a, or a squirrel chirping outside the. Maybe it's your iPod. Made, maybe it's your iP- Maybe your iPad needs some oil. Yeah, that's probably that could be what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it beautiful. Lubrication, lubrication. You know that finger dance makes your fingertips hot. Yeah, it's beautiful up here today. It was like in the mid '80s. It's really, really beautiful up here as well. So uh, I thought I was going to one up you guys with the temperature, but you're saying it's not. Well, there's, one there's apparently there. a heat wave here on the East Coast and a cold front uh, marching. Across um, the central part of the United States to kind of try yeah. to in for some of us in the next few days. I was talking to some pilot friends yesterday who uh, had a need to travel to Kansas, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Dave. Um, not Wichita. I forget what they said. Uh, can- near, near Kansas City, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, and uh, they chose not to fly their Bonanza. Um, because of a whole bunch of weather fronts that uh, yeah. they think would have just made it uh, un- untenable. And well, if anybody, you know, if anybody dialed up Kentucky Derby coverage yesterday. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's true. Uh, the weather that made Churchill Downs kind of sloppy for, uh, uh, for, for that run came through our part of the world about 36 hours earlier. And it was noisy and wet and gusty and generated some 
tornadic weather along its path east, and that's probably a good one to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So good decision on the part of the boys in the Bonanza. Yeah. You know, uh, boy and a girl, but who's counting? Yeah. Well, well, there weren't there weren't a lot of you know you we you, we see these systems in the spring and the summer uh, you know and they can light up out here and march all the way to the Atlantic Ocean if there's enough horsepower behind them, uh, but it's not real common where you see one so well organized that day and night for a couple of days it doesn't allow any little soft green gaps in the line of yellow and red that mm-hmm. can stretch six seven hundred miles long. Yeah, apparently you know, it was, that's the day when you just sit down there and say, "Man, I'm glad I'm not in that." I hope you brought a deck of cards. Yeah. Apparently, it was moving pretty slow too, because I asked them whether or not they felt they could have landed and let it pass overhead and, and continue, and they said, "No, it was moving so slow they would have been trapped for days." Uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, so I had a great day yesterday, uh, as good an airplane day as you can have short of going flying, which I did not actually do. Um, but uh, yesterday was a tale of two airports for me. Mm. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, I went down and met up with a handful of listeners down at uh, Nashua's, uh, uh, Nashua Airport down here in southern New Hampshire. And we had, uh, uh, we had brunch again or breakfast at the uh, Midfield Cafe, which is becoming a real regular hangout for us UCAP folks uh, here in the sort of south-central New England, south-northern, well, that part of New England, you name it, whatever you want to call it. Um, So we had a good old time. Uh, I met uh, uh, some of the usual suspects. Uh, uh, Jeff Ward was there, and Bill Mullet was there, and uh, um, oh my goodness, Rick Felty was there. Um, A a new listener who I had never, uh, a a person who I've never met before, I've had kind of vague contact with him, uh, but I met Dave Pascoe. Now, do you recognize that name? Yeah, yeah. I do. Dave yeah. Pascoe is the guy behind LiveATC.net. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, turns out, A, he's based there at Nashua, and B, uh, this just never ceases to amaze me, he's a listener. He listens to the podcast. So, uh, uh, And uh, he hasn't been able to make it to any other Nashua meetups we've had, but uh, he did make it to that one. And uh, it was fascinating to uh, talk. He's a good guy. He's just a regular guy. He's a tech guy who happens to run this uh, this, this popular website. Um, and uh, he's a, a, a part owner of a Bonanza, which uh, he apparently does a lot of flying on. And, uh, and it was just a great day. So... Uh, um, Rick Felty flew in in the Cirrus that he borrows from time to time, and Jeff Ward flew in in the, I believe it's a Warrior, that he rents from uh, from East Coast Aero, and uh, a couple of other of us drove in, and we had a nice time uh, uh, sitting there and, and uh, having breakfast. We actually got to sit out on the deck. Uh, the diner there is on the second level of one of the uh, buildings that is right out at the edge of the ramp. Cool. And normally you're inside. I mean, in the wintertime, you're inside and there's gl- a lot of glass so you can watch things okay. that are happening outside. But there's in actually. The winter, in the wintertime, I'm not in New Hampshire. That's, that's, right. Yeah, that's right. But when the weather turns nice, there's a deck that goes out around two sides of this, uh, of this restaurant. And uh, yesterday we were actually able to sit out in the deck and uh, uh, enjoy the beautiful day and, uh, and, and not only watch but hear the airplanes and uh, a lot of fun stuff going on there. So that was good. So that was airport number one. That was brunch. Then, uh, it being May 1st, uh, the folks up at Southern Maine Aviation, up at Sanford, Maine, decided that that was a good enough reason to have a barbecue. So uh, they put out the word about a week and a half ago that they were going to bring out, bring out the grill and everybody should bring you know potato salad and, and whatnot. And, uh, and so I wandered up there late in the afternoon, around 5 or 6. Now, Jack, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. Did you bring potato salad or did you bring whatnot? Uh, I brought whatnot. And, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was a, uh, I was an appreciative consumer uh, more than anything else. But... Uh, we had a good time. Uh, uh, I had a chance to chat with a lot of the folks up there. That's where I bumped into the folks who uh, who chose not to fly their Bonanza out west and uh, uh, talked to a couple of CFIs I've flown with over time. And, uh, um, and, and that was fun, too. It was really interesting in one day to visit 
these two airports that I admire. But they're, even though they're gr both great GA airports, they have just totally different feeling, you know, uh, uh, feelings to them. Um, Nashua is very, very busy, very, very active. Um, Tower Airport, uh, um, <coughs> aviation business and private hangars all along one side of a 5,000-foot runway. Um, very, very uh, active airport. Uh, Sanford is, is also, I mean, more active than, than many, many uh, GA airports, but not nearly that active. Uh, it's just got one, you know, largish FBO. And, uh, um, you, know, you know a great way to visit more than two airports in a day? Uh, okay, go ahead. Get an airplane. Yeah, I know. Get, I knew you had to say that. Um, you know, it's funny how you can go from one to another. Yeah, it really is. Uh, without ever touching the ground. Yeah. On the way. One interesting thing about these two airports is <laughs> that they, uh, there was a time like two or three years ago, early on in the age of this podcast, when I would have like reacted to that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've learned. Reacted to what? Yeah, What's right. he talking about, Jeff? Yeah, I know, right. Uh -huh. um, one interesting thing about these two airports is that they both are about to have runway construction. It's kind of interesting. Um, Sanford has uh, two runways that are at about uh, 60 degree angle to each other. And... Uh, the so-called 725 runway um, is about to be closed, actually. T today's its final day, uh, and it's going to be closed for as much as six months while they, uh, they sort of extend it. They're doing a weird thing where they're actually they're not going to make the runway longer, as I understand it. They're going to chop off a couple hundred feet at one end and add a couple hundred feet at the other end. Um, hmm. and, and balance out the overrun areas. Uh, either that or it's noise abatement. The end that they're kind of moving it, you know, shortening it, um, is an end that's got a lot of development happening. There's a Walmart yeah. that just opened down there, and there's a, so there's a lot of stuff down there. And so we, we, you know, we were speculating that, that, it, uh, that it may have to do with noise abatement. It, it also may have to do that that's the primary... T so five... Uh, uh, tw uh, 257 is not really the primary runway. It's not the calm wind runway. Um, How it, long is it? It's, oh gosh, I could look it up, but I, I will say 6,000, 7,000 feet. Maybe. Oh my God, just a little bitty thing. This, is the, uh, this was the Air Force One runway. This is The reason okay. this runway is kind of as, it, it, this has got an ILS in one direction and an, a VOR in the other direction, um, uh, approach that is. Uh, this is. This is the airport that was uh, uh, where uh, George Bush, uh, George... Uh, H.W. Uh, Bush uh, came in and out a lot uh, way back during his presidency, and then George W. Bush. Uh, so let me ask you: the, the 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 end opposite the new Walmart yeah. is the end with the ILS, right? That is correct. Yes, that's seven. So the, they moved the runway a couple of hundred feet away from mm -hmm. that. Yeah, then gonna... they've got a better environment for dropping in an LPV approach, mm -hmm. which can mimic the profile of an ILS to the same degree of precision. Just do it without any of the ground-based equipment or ground-based huh. equipment problems. But you still need a certain amount of clear zone mm -hmm. uh, at one end. You still need to be able to put in, if you want to get the best use out of an LPV, uh, you might want to upgrade the lights a little bit, and that give them more room to do that. Yeah. What say, to, uh, say what an LPV is? Lateral precision with vertical guidance and a WAS. Uh, yeah, you got an improved uh, GPS, but is generally capable of doing those kind of approaches. All, all of which is correct, except I think that I don't think you'll get ILS um, minimums out of an LPV. You can get ILS minimums out of an LPV if the airport has the meets the right conditions and lighting requirements. Um, the, up at the same level as 200 feet for... Uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to be educated on that. Um, I'm not aware of any LPV approaches to 200 and, and, um, and, and 2,000 feet or something like that. Yeah, and I know there's some to 300 uh, okay. and a half yeah. a mile. Uh, yeah, there are now more LPV approaches published than there are ILS approaches. Yeah. Published. That that part I get. Um, it, well, um, it surprised me that they moved ahead that quickly, and a lot of them are to the opposite end of ILS airports, uh, mm -hmm. ILS runways. Now I don't mm -hmm. know if this is relevant, but another thing they're doing to this runway, uh, oddly enough, is they're making it narrower. Um, 
It, <laughs> it is apparently currently a hundred and let's see now, according to airnav.com, it is, where's the width here? It must be here. So, yeah, it's 150, oh, 6,000 feet by 150 feet wide. And they're apparently narrowing it to a hundred feet. And once again, I speculate this is because it doesn't need quite as much infrastructure as it did in the days when the president used to come in and the, you know, first lady and whatnot. And, uh, um, by the way, I don't know if first if the seven, the four seven ever landed here, but uh, any number of the smaller uh, executive, you know, transport. Is it this is Nashua or Sanford? Sanford. Okay. Yeah, Sierra Foxtrot Mike. If you go to the airnav.com page, there's a little thumbnail pic or aerial shot that you can kind of see the. Uh, so anyways, they're closing that runway um, on uh, tomorrow morning is when it's scheduled to close. And, you know, good, good timing, by the way. Close it just as the uh, summer flying season starts, you know, and close <laughs> summer it. Summer construction season. Yeah, exactly. You know, I guess this is the only time of year when you can do it anyways. So maybe this is, there was no choice. But uh, then there's rumors uh, floating around. Nobody really knows. And it's not like it's this, the closure. Is, oh, I don't think it's going to be a closure. I hope there's not going to be a closure. But they're going to do, at Nashua, they're apparently going to, they're going to replace, so there's one runway at Nashua. It is uh, 5,000 something feet long, I believe. Let me look here and see now. It's Alpha Sierra Hotel. And uh, it is uh, four, uh, 1432. It's 5,500 feet long, 100 feet wide. But Even I could land on that. Yeah. Apparently, what, what they're Two going times, to do, maybe. they're going to. They're going to move the runway to the side. The way it was explained to me, and this is an unofficial explanation, is that uh, as they're getting more and more largish biz jets here, apparently the wingtips of the biz jets overlap some sort of safe area um, on the taxiway side, and they don't like that. And so what they're going to do is they're basically going to, build, again, if these stories are correct, they're going to build a whole other runway that's they're basically going to build a parallel runway and then destroy the original runways, I guess, what they're going to do. So I, I think it's kind of weird construction project, process. Prog, do, they, do they have to close the project. existing runway to build a new one? Have, I don't know the answer to that. I surely hope not. That, that yeah. would, like, suck. All right. Um, <laughs> This is a very busy airport, um, you know, in spite of the well, fact in that, that case, they're not going to close that runway. Yeah, in spite of the fact that Daniel Webster College is going away. This is a very busy uh, uh, airport, particularly on the weekends. But like I said, they, the whole point of this is they've got a lot of biz jet, biz jet traffic. And so, uh, you know, I should probably, you know, this is a classic example of where we're talking about something we know nothing about. And, uh, you know, and you've done, never so, you've done a really good job with it so far. Yeah, okay. Anyways, that was my tale of two airports. Uh, I had fun uh, uh, visiting these two airports and visiting my f pilot friends at the two places and and uh, comparing and contrasting um, my, my transition from Sanford, which I love dearly, to Nashua, which I'm growing to love. Uh, is yeah. Was this a formal meetup? I don't know. What's a, what, what makes something a formal meetup? Well, I don't remember your your your. Uh, uh, advertising. Yeah, we advertised it very casually. It was kind of a Twitter thing that kind of came together about uh, nine days ago, and uh, you know, we were trying to keep it from people like Dave who don't do Twitter. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kept it for me too because I didn't. I didn't have a look at Twitter lately. Yeah, well, you know, and and that's a bummer because I know you would have come up if we if you had known. I, I absolutely. I, I cannot imagine why I would want to miss. Okay, um, I need to move my scotch to higher ground. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story that I highlighted. It's, uh, moving on, David. Moving on. Um, uh, thank you. I was getting thirsty. Story from our favorite aviation publication, USA Today, uh, headlined: "Remember when flying was fun?" And I guess the only reason I call attention to this story is that the the whole the whole theme of the story is that airline flying is not fun anymore. Uh, remember when flying was Wait fun? Hold, the, hold, hold it. I'm cranking up the world's smallest violin. Yeah, I know. Thing. Remember I when cried. flying, this is uh, uh, from the first paragraph, uh, even, even the packing, which for me covered most contingencies of blazers, from trunks, etc. Um, I don't know. I won't read this thing because it's USA Today. No, please. Don't. All right. But, the, you know, 
And my answer to this, and I and I, I look to see where, of course, this is USA Today, so there's no comments area, all right? Oh, no, there is a comments area. I should have left a comment to basically say, hey, flying still is fun. It's the airlines. You know, travel is not fun. Flying is as fun as it ever was. Uh, well, I remember when flying was still fun. It was about a week and a half ago. Uh, and the last time before that was the first Saturday of April. Uh, the last time before that was about 10 days earlier. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll trip when I get to the one that actually involved a common carrier operating a human mailing tube for commercial purposes. It ain't on the list. It ain't on the list. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, that's all. Just, uh, flying still is fun. Maybe we should all go and with respect, add a comment to this story and say, hey, flying still is fun. You're not talking about flying. You're talking about traveling. Um, I guess that's a yeah. Funny, I, funny I, I'm you know sorry. I'm, unless you unless you had a hand in manipulating the controls, uh, you yeah, you're not were a passenger, passenger in an aerial conveyance. Yeah. You weren't a flyer. That's right. Hey, you know if if we already didn't think it was an awesome thing to belong to EAA, all right. Here's another great reason that you should belong to EAA. Um, I think this is brand new. I just heard about this the other day. As a matter of fact, reading from the EA.org website, it says new member benefits, so I guess it is new. Um, free admission to hundreds of great museums. All right. Um, uh, in addition to the annual pass to EA's Air Venture Museum, EA members now gain free admission to more than 300 museums throughout the world. To provide this new member benefit, EAA joined the Association of Science Technology Centers and is now a member of the group's Passport Program. Um, it's just an awesome list of museums, including... Yeah, it really is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, like, the, and we're not talking like little, you know, out-of-the-way museums that don't get a lot of attendees anyways, and so, you know, this is a bonus for them. We're talking like the Boston Museum of Science, you know. We're talking, hmm. I mean, we're talking like major museums that you can you can wave your EAA membership card, apparently, and uh, um, get in. They, you know, and there's that a couple... very cool. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's not without limitation, but the limitations are things like, you know, it doesn't get you a discount in the gift shop, you know, and, you know, you oh, only, only bring in one guest or something like that. Um, yeah, this actually allows two adults. Yeah, it's very, on, very cool. On one EAA membership. So it's very, very at cool. At least most of them. If you aren't already a member of EAA, the, this maybe is the thing that will tip you over the edge. And uh, if you are a member of EAA, man, jump on this. This is a great opportunity. I think that is cool. Is yeah, I'll very, have to check this cool. out. Very cool. What else here? Uh, I asked a couple episodes ago, we were, we were thinking out loud, we were wondering out loud what has become of the Rocket Racing League, uh, which was a, 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 a program that was going to popularize aviation by putting, putting so, what, rocket? I was going to say solid fuel rockets, but I don't think they were, right? They were some sort of alcohol and, the, and they were, yeah, something they were or other, liquid fuel, liquid fuel rockets. Um, onto uh, um, onto oh name that airplane uh, oh they were long easies no no they weren't long easies they were uh, Jeb we saw yeah. them when we were at Sun and Fun we were looking at them we were talking yeah them. they they, were, they, they look long like easies. long easies but they're the 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 clone I don't know what the type oh, is this is I know this airplane too oh, sorry I'm drawing okay. a big blank here it's the big sort of Delta wing it does have a canard on the front it is a oh, I velocity. Say, Velocity. Kind of velocity. velocity. Is it a velocity? It I was wanting to say Voyager. I'm going, that's not Voyager. Velocity. That's what it was. So anyways, listener uh, G. Marshall in the forums uh, writes, listening to the podcast today, I heard uh, a couple of uh, uh, of you say, uh, has anyone heard anything about the Rocket Racing League? Um, he says, anyway, uh, I, I, do, I did happen on this today. Uh, and he shows us, points us on to a story from space.com. Let's see if we open up the space.com story. Um the Rocket Racing League unveils new flying hot rod. Two rocket-powered competitive aircraft took off together Saturday to showcase the Rocket Racing League's new aerial muscle machine as it kicks off a 2010 World Exhibition Tour. So, uh, where was this? Anyways, I don't know. It's, uh, so they are around, uh, and uh, uh, they are still trying to get it together. Um, uh, G. Marshall goes on to say, uh, all in all, I think this thing is a bit of a non-starter as Red Bull has really cornered the flashy, in-your-face, fan-friendly <coughs> racing market, and the Reno racers have got the all-out speed going for them. Um, he also writes, he says, I'm not sure if thrust and glide has got the right ring to it either. I don't know, is that their <laughs> slogan? <laughs> 
thrust and glide. Thrust and I, I'm glide. Not that, 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 that's that. got so much potential. Yeah, I'm just going to walk yeah, just, away. Just not for the rocket <laughs> racing league. Uncontrolled right. airspace after dark. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. So the rocket racing league is still out there. And uh, if you're all interested, uh, you can uh, track it down here. Um, this is a cool video. Um, this is a video that someone created based on data um, of uh, airline flights in Europe over the last over one particular day in the last couple of weeks. That day being the one when airliners started to fly again um, after the whole volcano oh, shutdown. Sure, 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 yeah. Okay, um, and it's really, really fascinating to watch this video because uh, initially. The skies are like dark. There's no air. It's it's a it's sort of a you know satellite view, if you will, a simulated satellite view of of all of Europe. Uh, and and initially, if there's nothing moving, there's very little moving in the in almost all of Europe. If very very southern Europe, like down around the Mediterranean, there's a little bit of of traffic moving around. And and then you kind of gradually see a few things start to to make little flights. There's actually one little interesting flight where you saw something do kind of a couple of circles around. Uh, Sweden or that area, all right, and Belgium, and I wondered whether that was one of the test flights where they were actually out there trying to see whether or not if the an airliner was going to like you know crash and burn if uh, if they went flying in this environment. Anyways, as the video progresses, we suddenly see airline traffic come back to life, and it's kind of astounding that it you know kind of gradually builds and builds and builds and builds and it becomes this this furious um, uh, uh, blaze and, of of. Uh, and looking closely at the bloodstream, we can see the virus spread yeah. throughout the body until it infects the entire organism. Yeah. So uh, a very cool video, and uh, I uh, it's 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 on Vimeo.com. I'm not going to try and give you the uh, the whole URL, but it'll be in the show notes. And uh, it's it's kind of cool to see to see what what you know how this came back to life. I liked it. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Let's see now. Um, another video. <laughs> so it's like, no, is this like the video episode? What are we doing? You know, a few months ago we said we do so many videos. We, you know, so <clears> and now we do more videos than ever. I'm trying to describe them. I'm trying to be very descriptive so that people can picture what it is we're seeing. This is a video of an external camera aimed at a wing, uh, the left wing on an Icon A5. This is that. Uh, what? This is the uh, Amphib. Um, I think this is the the Icon A5. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's a it's a stalled. It's a test flight, um, and they had they they what do they call that? Tufted. They put all sorts of little strings all across the upper surface of the wing, and and then they flew it into a stall. And you know this is like aviation 101. This is the kind of stuff you learn in the first you know three lessons of uh, as a student pilot. But it was really fascinating to see it very graphically because you can really very clearly see the stall progress and kind of move across the wing, starting at the root. It, 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 it's really quite remarkable how smooth the airflow is over. Yeah, yeah at first, so much of that wing, uh, you know, the little spot there just outboard of the fuselage. Mm-hmm. Where the tufts are yeah. having a tough time, and then the as the, as the stall progresses, um, all of these tufts start to go crazy. All right, which is what you expect because the airflow is getting getting interrupted and screwed up there. All right, and and you see the you you can see the horizon, so you see the the air, airplane uh, dip. All right, you see the nose drop. All right, the other thing I found really really notable here is that when the nose drops. The strings very quickly snap back into place. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's the, almost like Lee Ermey in Full Metal Jacket telling his recruit company to come to attention, and everybody rivets up and upright all at once. That's it. They just mm-hmm. came to attention. Here's a question, though: Why is the prop stop? Uh, you know, I did. You see that? You that. see that black thing? Oh, in yeah, the right I saw that most. Why yeah, is the it pro- stops that's apparently the propeller? What's going on? About two 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 seconds into the video, um, is it stopped because they wanted to run the test without the uh, the P factor, whatever they call it, the swirling winds from the propeller? No, I don't know. Then I don't know. They don't know. It's just I don't know. Odd. They may have been uh, adding other tasks to it, like seeing what its sink, minimum sink rate was, non-power. Uh, yeah. Not that you're supposed to. Swirl. I don't think but, so. But it's a cool video. And, uh, you know, it's a cool video, yeah. It's a, it's a great demonstration of, of tufting. 
and and what happens when um, you lose the uh, oh, and the it's flow interesting to see how the tufts in different parts of the wing, span wise, uh-huh. go in different directions than the other parts of the wing. It's like, uh-huh. wow, inboard they go one way, outboard mid span they go another, and then bang, they are back at attention, baby. Yeah. So it's cool. I think every CFI yeah. ought to grab this up and show it to their students to yeah. illustrate the whole thing. But, it's a uh, great, well, great it, demonstration. It, you know, it brings back that whole argument, of, you know, about uh, or well, not argument, but the the whole discussion about stall speeds. It's like it's all about angle of attack. It's yeah. all about angle of attack. Uh, it can go up and down depending on how much power you've got at the same angle of attack, but it's always going to happen. Uh, when the angle of attack exceeds the ability of the wing to maintain airflow, yes. then it goes. Yeah. David, what's the story with this? Uh, the flight for the human spirit you called our attention to. Um, well, where is that link? Young man's trying to fly every state in the union. Is that what it is? Okay, and uh, bring attention to. What were the cause here? Like the human spirit. Hmm. I think it's just in general to get people excited about the world again, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. It, and, and it got launched out of uh, Salina, Kansas, and has been working his way since. And he's had a lot of weather because it's an LSA. It's not an IFR-approved airplane. Uh, and uh, is, is hanging in it. And the other one... Where the, that I pointed out here with the uh, the two guys trying to fly around the world in an LSA. Uh, also, in the pursuit of publicizing uh, a, a cause of their favorite, and is that the are these the Swiss guys? Yeah, that's yeah, the Swiss okay. guys. Yeah, okay, yeah. Talk about that one too. I I moved that a little bit lower on the list, but uh, um, that's pretty interesting too. Are, are, are we seeing more of this? Are we seeing more and more? Is it? Are there more people using airplanes right now to promote good causes? Are, are we just hearing about it more? You know, I mean, it just seems like every week there's another. I think it's a great thing. I think you know. I actually think there's more of it going on right now, uh, and I am incapable of offering a logical explanation of why. Uh, you know, there's always been some of that going on. I mean, I know guys that have flown uh, to commemorate uh, uh, Lindbergh's flight, but done it in a Cessna, you know, 210. Uh, same route and everything, and trying to do it in the same dates just because. And they raised money, gave it to charity. Uh, LSAs are still a relatively new thing, and uh, they sure add a new dynamic to it just by saying, oh, we're doing it in a light sport airplane. If you look at the route for these guys from Switzerland, Yannick Bovier and Francisco Aguila, uh, oh, my God, they're doing some long overwater legs. Yeah. In a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, are these the guys that are going? Like designed CT. They're going across the Atlantic down Africa to Brazil, right, or Brazil to Africa, right? Well, from uh, Dakar, I'm sorry, Dakar, Dakar to uh, Natal in Brazil. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a little shorter leg available, but not by much, and that yeah. would mean going farther south into Africa. Uh, then they're going to go from South America up through the Caribbean, uh, San Salvador, to uh, across the U.S., Monterey, California, and from Monterey, jump off for sunny Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to be carrying a lot of extra fuel. Yeah, I guess uh, so, huh? <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Um, I was talking to a guy up at Sanford yesterday who just, or the, this past winter, finished his 12-year project to uh, build is uh, a, uh, oh, now I'm blanking on what kind of airplane it was, uh, a Glass Star. Um, and... Uh, and that's uh, that's long, but it, as you know, it's not incredibly long. It, it's not unusual for for folks to take you know 
like we said before, you don't build an airplane because you want to fly an airplane. You build an airplane because you want to build it. And so it becomes very much of kind of part of your life and you spend a lot of years doing it. And he apparently spent, you know, 10 plus years building this airplane. Um, but, you know, it wasn't just a, an empty hobby. He planned to finish it and he did. Uh, and he's been flying it since, um, since January. He's got, he, he put 50 hours on it, he told me, since January. Um, wow. I'm not sure what made me think of this. You, you must have said something that made me think of this. Um, the thing that was notable with this Glass Star, um, Glass Star, Glass Air was one of those glass <laughs> airplanes. Um, it has a Glass huge, Star is a son of a Glass Air, so it has a huge empennage. This is the thing I first noticed about this. This particular air, he had it set up with uh, with tricycle gear. And he's taxiing uh-huh. across the ramp, and I suddenly saw it sideways. All right, and I swear the 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 rudder has as much surface area as the as one of the wings. I don't know. It's just huge. Hmm. All right, and then if you get up close and kind of look at it, um, the horizontal stabilizer has huge uh, uh, surface area as well. And I, I was kind of wondering why that was. Um, one possibility is that it turns out this is the exact same airframe, even if you configure it as a tail dragger. And, uh, and as a tail dragger, you know, they usually need more, more tail. So, uh, so they just, you know, he's got both. He's, <laughs> he says it's got great rudder authority. No kidding. Well, if, if, if going from tricycle to tailwheel is, is really only a like, swap of the main gear and attach the tailwheel to the right spot, then it stands to reason that you'd want to have some of that stuff in back. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot, not only a lot beefier between where the tailwheel and the main gear go, but... Also, uh, that that extra fin can't hurt in ground handling and crosswinds. Right, right, yeah. yeah they, it, it probably is makes the airplane more stable and responsive together as a tricycle airplane right. as well. It, uh, yeah, it, uh, it uh, now what was I going to say? Um, it's a cool airplane. Um, the, the wings fold up on it, which is kind of like, you know, I put this in the same category as you can buy these ladders now that fold up, you know, and I've just, I would, ne- I've never wanted to climb on a ladder that was supposed to fold up, right? I just, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was, you know, I just, I don't like that idea, all right? And so now you got an airplane where the wings sweep, you know, fold back, and I understand the engineering is fine and sound and it's okay, but the idea that the, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, when me, you when you say you, you the wings are designed to fold up, you really should put in there on demand. Back. Yeah, right. If it was me, I'd <laughs> yeah. be cruising along at three thousand feet, and I'd suddenly be wondering what this pin was that was hanging off the uh, you know off the wet compass. You know. Oh yeah, and where does and, that go? Oh crap! I know where that's supposed to be. You know. It's, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not that hard. Anyways, no. You know what made me think of this airplane is he was telling me, talking to me about you know about his airplane. He was describing how you can add these uh, additional fuel tanks uh, to the uh, luggage area floor and get a bunch more uh, uh, fuel capacity out of it. I, I, um, that's what made me think of it. You were talking about flying around the world. So, anyways, that's an aside. I'm sorry. Came out of nowhere. It was a cool airplane I saw. Big tail. They are cool airplanes. Big they tail. Are cool airplanes. Big tail, and you could put a lot of horsepower on those puppies, and they will carry a boatload. Oh, I mean, they're, that's the other thing. They are that's a right. Great two place go explore the world airplane. He's got a huge engine on this thing. Did he tell me it's like got a hundred and eighty horse engine on it or something like insane? Yeah, you like can that. put a one eighty on it. Good gosh! I mean, it's a tiny little airplane. It's got like two seats. I mean, admittedly, it's got a huge tail, so we need some horsepower for that. But uh, <laughs> good, that was a joke. You were supposed to laugh. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you something always about more the way the man all around your tail. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, well, there's something about the way he says, and it's got this huge tail that just <laughs> makes me think of lobster. You no, okay. I thought you were going to say you cap after dark. <laughs> cool, yeah. <laughs> all right, um, Luca Berta turned us on to yet another video. All right, um, this is a video from. The co- from the uh, I don't know the, I'll call it the gun camera for lack of a better term. Um, it's an onboard camera of a Italian fighter plane that was cruising uh, under the control of civilian air traffic controllers. Um, actually, it was transitioning. I think that was the problem. It was transitioning between military and civilian controllers. Um, it got assigned an altitude the wrong. It was assigned the wrong altitude. He he heard what the you know if you listen to the video, you hear the altitude assignment. Uh, you hear the pot, the fighter pilot confirm the altitude. You watch the instrumentation on this video, and you see him climb up and maintain the, the 
altitude he was assigned to. And then a few minutes later, if you're watching carefully, you see um, an airliner come in the opposite direction and miss this guy by like an astoundingly small distance. Oh. All right. Um, you know, and then and so you know, like the and the and then you hear the hear the uh, the fighter pilot, you know, going on, you know, I mean, he's in in, in Italian. Uh, Luca watch was watching over my shoulder at one point and translated, you know, and and it was all like you know, you know, Italian for oh crap, all right, um, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and he's talking to Holy the controller. Simone. He's talking to oh, and he's talking to his wingman. He says, "Did you see that? Did you see that?" You know. Um, and, uh, and they, they start talking to the controller again and the controller goes, uh, you know, you're supposed to be at, at, you know, three, two, zero, not three, six, zero. Um, and, uh, and the, uh, and the fighter pilot goes, okay, three, two, zero. And you just see him drop the nose. He says, I'm getting out of here. And he drops down to, uh, but that was apparently the problem is that the earlier controller gave him the wrong, uh, altitude assignment. Uh, and, uh, he w- he went to the assigned altitude, but so did the airliner. And I mean, this is, could have been Brazil all over. Wow! Yeah, there you go. You reached the punchline, didn't you? Yeah. That's that was. Well, he sucked. went way past three six zero. I'm now looking at him at zero four zero, zero five zero. You're talking about I heading, mean, not about, wait, yeah. No, you're talking about heading. I'm talking about altitude here. No, he 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 rolled ninety degrees and pulled. <laughs> you know. Um, Whoa, and and lost you know five hundred feet of altitude yeah. or so, and now he's pitching down. I, I'm I'm looking at the video. Goes to show you how fast yeah. that happens. You know, yeah. um, that uh, you know this this airliner just came out of nowhere within uh, just a few seconds, and uh, pretty interesting. Um, and, and to me, that's the that's the lesson here is how quickly this stuff happens when you know when you're traveling four hundred knots, you know, and so is the other guy. That's that's really yeah really you, you got a closure rate of you know duh eight hundred knots or thereabouts yeah and, and bad things can happen very quickly yeah so there's a whole you know, at this link there's a whole bunch of other never remember at the, at this link there's a whole bunch of other videos of supposedly near misses yeah and, and that I haven't clicked on any of them but uh, if um, um, you know somebody do so and report back or something yeah so anyways. So yeah, take a look at this. It's just a great uh, you know object lesson in uh, how fast a, uh, a mid-air collision can happen if you're not paying attention, you know, or if you happen to get vectored to the wrong to the wrong altitude. Um, anyways, reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, shoutouts. Uh, uh, everybody's very excited about this first shoutout uh, for obvious reasons because we all posted it to the story list separately. Uh, <laughs> I did it first. Jeb did it first. So, so Jeb did it first. So we're letting him take the shout out. What's the shout out, Jeb? The shout out is the notum is out. The, the notum is out. <laughs> the, the notum for, for, uh, 2010 air venture is available. Uh, we have a link in the show notes for you. Um, this is, this is the time where we will start saying the following. Get, Get the, notum. the notum. Print the notum. Carry the notum. the notum. That's right. Put the notum in your airplane. Download the notum onto your iPad so that you've got you it. Inject it into your bloodstream. Onto your iPad. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's on the EAA.org uh, website. Um, you, can you can order a hard this. copy. You can download it. Thank you. You can do this two ways. You can fill out, you know, just a real quick form with your name and address, and they will send you a hard copy of this notum. You can download the PDF, and you can print a hard copy of this notum. You can download the PDF and put it on your iPad, put it on your phone, put it, you know, where the sun don't shine. We don't care. Do read the notum if you plan to go to Oshkosh. Now, the other point here, dun, 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 now's a great time to be making your plans to get to Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. Um, start with the airplane, you know, making sure you got, you know, the airplane's good to go, annual inspections done, all the little uh, honeydews that uh, the airplane wants you to take care of have been accomplished. Um, You've got time off from work. You've got a place to stay. um, You're bringing lining kugels for us. um, All of these (laughs) little details that now is a great time to start working out. Did we manage to get that lining kugels thing into the NOTAM this year? I don't think we did. We have not. not, I haven't looked for it. Um, I'm I'm not sure that uh, our our plea 
to the FAA worked this time, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I have the. I opened the notum here, um, and uh, I haven't obviously read it yet. Um, on page, uh, I guess page two, they do call out a couple of changes uh, for 2010. Um, there's a new uh, arrival ATIS frequency. Uh, there will be a night air show on Saturday, July 31st. Cool. All right, but that will of course affect uh, coming and comings and goings. Um, apparently, Appleton has. There's something about Appleton runway numbers. Did the whole Compass uh-huh. thing get them too? And uh, I thought that Oshkosh and that whole area is very much on uh, zero variance, isn't it? And uh, maybe maybe the variance zero point moved. And uh, um, but anyways, so there's some change about the numbers, or Appleton's runway numbers, and apparently there are some changes to the IFR preferred routing. So there's just four things that have changed. The point being, things change. Even if you looked at it last year, look at it this year. Plus, it's fun reading. It keeps you get, keeps you going through the next couple months. Uh, you can yeah. uh, spend some time uh, reading through it and fantasizing how you would fly the route. And uh, uh, Rick and you Felty, know the saying. Yeah. The more things change, the less they stay the same. Yeah, that's right. Rick Felty uh, and John Wellington are talking about uh, getting together. John, uh, uh, both listeners, both uh, uh, attendees of the various meetups up here in the Northeast. Um, Wellington is from uh, from uh, White Plains, New York. Felty from uh, Norwood, Mass., I believe. Um, and uh, uh, they uh, felt he's the video guy. He shot a lot of in cockpit videos, and they're they're talking about traveling to Oshkosh together this year, and cool. uh, and rigging up all of Rick Felty's camera gear um, in John Wellington's uh, airplane to record the whole arrival procedure, um, both audio and video. I think that would be a really cool video um, mm-hmm. to uh, both illustrate the process and just as kind of a fun video to watch. And uh, Particularly if you could sync it up with the air traffic control that was yeah. going on. Well, totally could, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah so. if you're getting it on the headphones. Uh, yeah. So the notum's out. We're starting to get it's starting to the get notums out, and there better not be trouble. Oshkosh is coming. It's like just a, a, a few months away, and uh, and we're going to be doing some cool stuff at Oshkosh this summer. But more on that later on. All right, All right. that's uh, shout out number one. We are. Yeah. He didn't tell me that. Did he tell you that? I find we have to talk. I find it's best not to give you guys too much warning about these things. <laughs> He's learning, yeah. Dave. David, I, I stole this. Uh, I stole this uh, uh, shout out from you last week, um, but there's still time for us to uh, to uh, to warn people about this. Why don't you tell us about Learn to Fly Day? Oh, we're gonna yes, we should plug that again. Absolutely, because it's a good idea. Uh, Learn to Fly Day. Uh, nice folks at EAA and a bunch of other folks that gotten together and. International Learn to Fly Day, May 15, seek out a place, take a friend who doesn't fly, take yourself out there if you've been thinking about it and listening to us and going, you know, one of these days, well, make that the day that you at least go get that first dip your toe into the air thing. And uh, Dip your toe into the air. Well, there's another yeah, possible you're standing on, Yeah, there's, you're standing there's, on your hands. Uh, how'd you learn to fly? Me? Never mind. I don't want to know. Anyway, uh, events in every state, uh, some other places around the world, like Wyoming. And uh, check it out. LearnToFlyDay.com. Take a friend. Take yourself. Take family. There's a big old list uh, in the left-hand column of that website that every, st- uh, I believe it's every state, looks like every state in the union, and, uh, uh, and then if you click on those, it will give you a list of the different activities that are going on in that state. For example, let's see, if we look at Kansas. And, and, and if you are already, you know, a convert and a member of the tribe and, and all that, consider flying your bird into, if it's not right there at your home field. And kind of become part of the demonstration of what you can do yeah. when 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 you be a pilot. As of right now, we have uh, uh, SL Aviation in is it Iola, Kansas, uh, or Lola, Kansas? Must be Iola, Kansas. Iola yeah. is doing something. McPherson Airport Authority in McPherson, Kansas, is doing something. Uh, Midwest Corporate Aviation in Wichita is doing something, and uh, Wichita Aviation also in Wichita is doing something. Let's see now. I'm going to do Florida real quickly here. Where to go here? Florida. 
uh, in Florida, uh, ADF Airways in Miami, Air Orlando in Orlando. Oh, uh, cool. The one at Wichita Aviation? Yeah. I recognize the address. They should have, well, it wouldn't make any difference. That's Dead Cow International. Oh. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. This is a chance for everybody to check out Dead Cow. Uh, airborne Systems at Boca Raton, Airborne Systems at Fort Lauderdale, uh, Airglades at uh, Clewiston. Uh, oh, there's a bunch of Florida ones. My goodness, Florida's really signed up for this concept. Um, big oldest. So anyways, check out your state, check out your area. Um, go down yourself, bring your non-flying friends. Um, it's a great, great day. That's Learn to Fly Day. Other shout-outs? What do you guys got? Anything? Really? Okay. Time to stick a fork in this one. <laughs> David I think we're done. Dave Higdon is a uh, an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the net? Uh, on the net? Oh, on the net? Uh, take you go two gigs down. Take a right at the last bite. Uh, DaveHigdon.biz, AvBuyer.com, uh, AEA.net, UncontrolledAirspace.com. Or, you know, roll the dice, Google my name, and I'm not the golf writer or the physicist. And Jeb Burnside is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, can, where, where can people find you on the Internet? On the Internet? I thought you were just going to say the net. I was going to say something about the backboard. but uh, Up to uh, his gills. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com is, is a day job. Uh, jeburnside.com is the homepage. One of these days, I'm going to update that sucker. And uh, occasionally, I'll pop up on AvWeb and, and maybe even a police blotter coming soon to near you. Believe me, folks, he's not joking. I spent three, <laughs> I spent three weeks down there. Right? And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, and to the many other listeners who have created these show opening disclaimer clips. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. doesn't need to be very much. Just $10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, webpage of fame, and more. All of that is wiki, wiki. uncontrolledairspace.com. <laughs> David, what were you going to say? There's a reason that we have so many miles on, on, on our odometers. We live long through flying because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Y'all come back now, you hear?